Hello! Welcome to Legendary Adventures, a Legend of Zelda podcast. This week we explore the second dungeon in the original Legend of Zelda, Level 2, The Moon. I'm your host, Paul Riley. I am a Zelda fan, and in this podcast I'm exploring the evolution of the series by playing through each mainline Zelda game. No spin-offs, no multiplayer-focused releases. Let's get to the second dungeon. First off, how do we find it? Players will find no in-game hints to its location. The manual, however, contains a map on pages 43 and 44. This map reveals that the dungeon is directly east of level 1 the Eagle in a forest. However, the map is cropped in such a way that players will not be able to see the direct path to the dungeon. It's up to the player to explore and reach the area, or they could open the supplementary map included and use that to help them navigate to the dungeon. From the Eagle, players will first need to travel east one screen, then south for two screens, before heading east again for five screens. From there, players will travel one screen north, one screen west, and then one screen north again to reach the dungeon. The dungeon itself, as its name would suggest, is shaped like a crescent moon. The entrance room and a room to the east form the base of the room. Just above that, players will find a row of four rooms that form the bottom curve of the crescent, and ten rooms stacked side by side, two by two, on the eastern edge of the dungeon to suggest the inner concave curve of the crescent. The final two rooms are offset slightly to the west to create the upper curve. This dungeon does not really offer anything different from the first one in terms of navigating and exploring. There are harder enemies to see, including some snake enemies referred to in the manual as rope. These dart quickly across the room once Link is in their sights. Players will also face off against what could be considered the series' first mini-boss. It's a giant worm called Moldorm. Well, at least it's supposed to be a worm. It actually looks like a series of fireballs that move through the room in a snake-like fashion, and each hit causes one of those ball segments to disappear until it's finally destroyed. Progression through the dungeon is fairly straightforward. The lower rooms that form the lower curve of the moon do give the impression of a more open structure. Upon entering, players will see exits to both the east and the north. Players can travel to the east and find a room filled with snakes. Also, a key will be revealed once they're defeated. Players can then travel north. There will be a locked door on the east that reveals a room containing the compass. Then players can travel three rooms to the west to reach another room containing a key once all the enemies in that room have been cleared out. Then it's back east two rooms and to the north. From there on, players will just continue to travel north. They'll duck into each room along the way, one room to the east before heading back to the west and then north again. In one particularly difficult room, players will have to take around three blue gorillas while dodging fireballs from statues in each corner of the room. The blue gorilla is stronger than the standard gorilla. It takes more hits to go down. If successful, players will be rewarded with the tool hidden in this dungeon. It's an upgraded boomerang. Now the inclusion of a second boomerang here is curious, as players just got the first boomerang in the first dungeon. To me, it suggests that designers were not thinking as deeply about the placement of items as they would in other games. Although I suppose this item is technically optional. Players will get a boomerang in the first one, and while this one is stronger, the other boomerang can work. So maybe that's just what they were thinking. 
who's to say I couldn't find anything that said one way or the other. In one of the eastern rooms of the dungeon, players will also find bombs. It's possible for players to find bombs before this point, but if not, the designers were sure to include them here because bombs will be essential for beating this dungeon. Bombs can be used to reveal hidden passageways, both on the overworld or in a dungeon. In fact, players can skip four rooms of this dungeon by using bombs to create alternate doors. They just need to place a bomb on the northern walls of the eastern rooms and continue straight forward, skipping the western rooms. Level 1, the Eagle also included a few bombable walls, but the concept is taken much further here, and bombs are essential here, so it just seems more likely players will find the bombable walls here for the first time. It's really up to the player, though, to find these secret entrances through trial and error. Using bombs to create entrances is actually required later on in the game, and the map can give a hint on possible places where bombs can be placed to advance. But at this point, this is all strictly optional. The bombs, however, will be required to defeat the boss of this dungeon. We get a hint to this in the northeasternmost room. There's an old man inside who says simply, Dodongo dislikes smoke. Dodongo is a creature that looks sort of like a Triceratops. The creature can only deal damage by directly touching the player, but it moves fairly slowly. It's not that erratic. It's fairly easy to avoid. However, Dodongo will not take damage from any other items that the player has. The sword, the boomerang, if they found the candle, whatever, they cannot damage Dodongo. The only thing that damages it is the bomb. The player needs to place a bomb directly in front of the creature so that it swallows it. As the bomb explodes inside the Dodongo, it blows up like a balloon comically and then returns to normal. Two bombs and Dodongo falls leaving behind a heart container and allowing the players to collect the Triforce. Next week, we'll get ahead west and explore the third dungeon in the game, the Manji. Please subscribe to follow along. I'm Paul Riley. Thanks for listening.